Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. And we are recording. Yes, we are here again to talk about more issues on the east end of Long Island. This time um, we're moving in a little bit further east to East Hampton. And uh, before we jump into our topic, uh, let me do our introduction. So that was Bill Sutton that you heard at the top of the podcast. Hi, Bill. Hey, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And also here is Joe Shaw, looking very dapper. You can you got some of your hair cut. Not all of them. What, this old thing? <laughs> no, no. My hair has not been cut in a long time. So that's a I'm, mullet I'm looking at, a slick uh, It's. I would argue it's not a mullet because it's long all over, but uh, I don't know what I'm going for, Annette. Hi, I'm Joe Shaw. I'm the executive <laughs> editor of the Express News Group. And also here's Catherine G. Manu, a.k.a. Georgie. Hi, Georgie. Hey, Matt. Um, it's Catherine Manu. A lot of people call me Georgie, and I am the publisher of the Express News Group. And I'm Annette Hinkle, and I'm the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. And also joining us today is Mike Wright. Hi. A senior reporter who uh, covers all things East Hampton and is the, the, the premier expert in our office on this topic. So this topic has to do with the proposed senior center in East Hampton. Based on Mike's story, I think they started discussing this back in 2014, need for a new senior center. And here we are 10 years later, and they're looking at a senior center proposal that's coming in at $32 million. I would put the echo on that if I could. Maybe I'll try that. $32 which seems like a lot of money um, to me, but what do I know? I think the price just kept, it kept going up and up and up over the years, I think. And and that's, I, I think it's more than they expected it to be. Um, the estimated cost just seems to have, have just kept rising. And what, what's I, what I think is interesting is town officials so far have said in the past that they want to move forward because they think it's important and it's worth spending a little more money, even, even if it's a little more expensive, they'd like to get that done. Just to make the point that, that I don't, I mean, that, the price has gone up, but a lot of that just has to do with supply chain and construction costs. It's it's not that that they started off with a plan for a smaller senior center and it's gotten bigger and bigger and and bigger. Although there are some would argue some amenities, um, you know, that that could or could not be included. Yeah, so it looks like um, they're they're looking to build this. It's on a seven acre flag lot property off Abraham's Path. And Amagansett. They're talking about a single story, three wing design within the building. So that improves the staff's connection to what's going on throughout. But I'm trying to figure out what the square footage is 22,000 square feet. It's 22,000 square feet. So, I mean, one of the things that I think about when I hear that size, that number, I mean, I remember not too long ago when they did a, a renovation expansion at East Hampton High School, and it was something like $76 million for a population that, according to demographics, was actually going down. I mean, I think if there's one thing you can say about East Hampton is that the senior population is not going down. Kathy Burke Gonzalez also made the point that you've got to put that in context, that 22,000 square feet sounds like a lot, but the YMCA is 21,000 square feet. The Montauk Playhouse, the, the town's part of it, is 25,000 square feet. I mean, it's it's a big building because it's got to be a big building. It's a, you know, 
that's that's these kind of buildings tend to be larger in size. That's that shouldn't that shouldn't give you sticker shock all by itself. It's a big project. And they're also talking about adding uh, more green elements, which I guess are kind of pricey, um, you know, and um, and also kitchen facilities, because the idea is that the need for uh, meals prepared for seniors is also one of the things that's going up in the region. Right. Yeah, seems like that should yeah. be an important part of it, right? And and the green elements, I mean, the town has made a commitment to to sustainability. Um, you know, and and this is a, a town facility and it's gotta fit in with that. Well, and theoretically, if you're building a building like this or a facility of this size with green elements, the idea is that over time, those green elements pay for themselves, right? So in the long run, the facility is less expensive than it would be if to save some money on your price tag, you, you know, scrap the solar panels and everything else associated with, um, you know, trying to be more climate friendly. Yeah. Um, so Mike, do you want to, to jump in and talk about the building plan itself and a little bit of the backstory about how the the board or the, the, the town got to this point and with this design? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been going on for a long time. I mean, it's been 10 years, pretty much all of Kathy Burke Gonzalez's political career. Um, since they started this. And I don't remember if she was actually the one that spurred it, but, you know, they need a new senior center. The one they have is a disaster. It's, uh, you know, it was a pub a hundred years ago and um, it is tiny and, you know, been held together with duct tape and glue. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it needs, it needs a, a serious uh, facelift. And originally that's kind of what they were going to do. I mean, they were going to build a new building, the original plan, but on the same property, um, you know. The, which is on the, Springs Fireplace Road, is that which right? Which is right. That's on, it's on Springs Fireplace Road. And, you know, it is kind of like right in the front. It kind of, you know, the building kind of looks like a double wide trailer sort of. Uh, and it's got a, 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 you know, one of those steel aftermarket um, uh, handicap uh, ramps up the front. And so what they were going to do is it's a, it's kind of a big piece of property and they were going to build the new center on the back of the property, keep using the one that exists and then tear that down. They ran into a, a, a bunch of complications, uh, not the least of which was that um, there's a there was a memorial park um, at the back of that property that had been donated to the town Um as part as part of the property but you know would have required its parkland so it would have had to have been alienated and the family that donated it uh live next door still and they were not uh amenable to <clears throat> that that memorial park being being um uh, you know abandoned effectively so that they could build the new senior center on the property there were other there were other problems with that idea to start with anyway so but that was you know way back in 2017 2018 and people were already then saying you know the senior center is an abomination we need a new building uh and then the town was you know left in the lurch and and like so many things out here that 
you say, well, let's just do it. You know, you run into, well, where? And, you know, you can't just say, well, build it over there. Let's grab this piece of property and, and we'll build a new senior center. You know, it, it took the town two years and a stroke of blind luck kind of uh, to find a new spot to put it. And you had, you had this guy that owns 14 acres of land uh, right next door to the to the town athletic fields on Abrams Path in Amagansett, and he he was he's an artist and I forget what the history of the property was but he was gonna sell anyway I guess and and had a had a altruistic uh, um, plan that he came to the town with and that they're gonna they bought half of it seven acres and they have a I think it's a right of first refusal or something along those lines for the other seven acres when he decides to move on. So they have this big property. It's right immediately can uh, contiguous to another big town property. Um, and it gave them a lot of, uh, a lot of potential first plan that they came up with, um, uh, one of the councilmen at the time, Jeff Bragman had been critical of it in that the, the design they came up with, uh, was incredibly boring. It was very institutional. It was like a big two-story modular home and, you know, they were restricted by the property there, so they had to build it. Uh, but it was, it was just a very plain building that they were just going to assemble and, and his point was that, you know, you've got architects out there who are experts now at designing uh, community buildings and, and municipal buildings that that incorporate so much of the of the modern day things that that a society uh, expects for, you know, a public building and public spaces and programming and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, when that plan fell apart, that sort of gave them that opportunity Um uh, Kathy Burke Gonzalez and Diane Patrizio, who's the head of the town's department of, uh, first, I forget the name of it, human resources. And, um, you know, they, they organized these, uh, these public meetings with people that use the senior center, people in the community who are not seniors yet, but are going to be uh, families of people who are going to be seniors, this and that. And, you know, talked with them about what are the things they like about what they have now, what would they like to see, what could be improved, how would it be better, blah, blah, blah. Then, of course, in the middle of that, a pandemic happened, and that, you know, changed everything for senior citizens. And East Hampton Town has gotten glowing remarks for the way that they handled that um, with uh, this massive food delivery program that they organized using the senior center. And the senior center, the human resources department's uh, uh, staff, and and all the things that they do already, um, they started making meals, freezing them, delivering a week's worth of meals to people. Kathy Gonzalez said something about uh, the number of meals. It was like forty thousand meals or something like that in in a year and a half that they delivered to senior citizens in the town who didn't want to go grocery shopping, couldn't go grocery shopping. You know, were terrified to leave their house for months and months. All that sort of 
learning got incorporated into it. They hired this architecture firm, which is two architecture companies actually that have collaborated together on uh, municipal community building projects in the past. Uh, one of them's from Chicago. Another one's a big city, uh, not a big city firm, but Renette uh, uh, Riley. She's a she's a very prominent architect in the city, but also has an office in Bridgehampton. Um, so you know, there's some there's that local connection, and they do have a ton of experience with municipal buildings. And uh, so they put together this this plan, which um, you know they brought. They've had a couple of conceptual meetings uh, with the town board over the last year or so. You know, the first draft of the plan last spring, they brought three ideas for what the building would look like. And they were shapes of different layouts and, and what, you know, this one had this potential uh, benefit and this one had that benefit. And these were the downsides of this and that. The two that were sort of the most kicked around was what they call the linear design, which was sort of just a long, straight building kind of like the Parish Art Museum building. And the other one was the windmill design, which is a um, kind of looks like one of those ceiling fans, actually, the modern uh, seating fans with a light in the middle of it. And it's got mm -hmm. uh, the three blades with a large area in the center and then three wings that that go out from, from the center. And they said that, you know, that was the, they settled on that being the preferred design because it cut down walking distances um, you know, the main dining room, which, you know, is obviously the the, the focal point of activity at the senior center because lunch is a big, a big thing. Um, and uh, like a card room area are, are right in the middle. And so if you get dropped off in front by a bus or by a car, you walk in, boom, you're right there. Then there's also the offices are down one wing. And so those people are all there. And one of the things that Kathy Burke Gonzalez pointed out is that they like that because, um, you know, putting offices on the second floor or something like that, that the, the, the people, the staff are going to be able to sit in their office and see out front when there's a person standing outside in the cold waiting to be picked up if their ride doesn't come, when a bus arrives that's got six people with it. And, you know, just that it, it just makes everything work so much more efficiently. And then also the same is that the other activity rooms, um, you know, there's community rooms, exercise rooms, that sort of stuff are going to be down, you know, another wing that also will be just off the, you know, it's a relatively short wing and it's right off the, off the center. So, you know, you don't have old people that have to walk a long distance from space to pace. So, so they decided on that and uh, you know, the architects went back to work and they came back uh, in the fall with a sort of more detailed design, you know, the, the sort of conceptual pitch that architects give, for buildings and uh, you know, it's edgy. It's uh, it's very cool. They want to do stainless steel shingles, um, you know, like, like architects always do. They had lots of talk about, about the, you know, the sense of place and, and trying to bring nature inside and, and sort of what they're, what they're trying to make the building feel like, which, you know, when you're sitting in the audience of a of a boardroom looking at uh, artists' renderings, uh, can be very abstract and a little difficult. But you know, that's what architects do, and they're and they're good at it generally. And so it's got lots of glass, and it's got these uh, sloping, low sloping roofs, and and this kind of flowy sort of feel around the outside. And yes, you know, these stainless steel shingles, which is not a done deal, but I'll get to that. Um, which you know are basically going to reflect the woodlands 
um, which you can imagine, you know, I mean, like stainless steel, when you, you know, really high quality polished stainless steel does sort of have this kind of reflective uh, thing about it. And it, it'll, uh, you know, not that you'd be able to like pick your teeth in the like a mirror, but uh, you know, it'll it'll reflect the colors of the of the surrounding foliage and stuff, which you can picture in the fall being kind of cool. Um, and so, you know, they had this 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 plan, and it was uh, it's very modern and cool and progressive, and it's got a commercial kitchen and a lot of bells and whistles. And you know, then they came with the with the price tag, which was thirty one point six million. A lot, a lot of bells and whistles, but but nothing really over the top, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, there's not like, uh, yeah, no, there, there's not, there's not a, uh, there's a, no helipad where they're going to be yeah, flying there's, the right, there's in no from swimming the airport. Pool. Right? Yeah, there's not a lot of luxuries. It's just, it's just well, it's it's a very well designed and the commercial kitchen's a big part of it. I mean, that that's that's uh, you know almost a million bucks or something like that, right? But they say that, you know, they've learned that that's one of the things that they need almost the most and that that will that will have so that'll get so much use because both for the people that come there, the delivery food thing, which they see being a long term thing, and then other programs, too, that, you know, they would just the town would have a commercial kitchen. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin and Cordoraro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com 27 Speaks is brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books. Independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton. They buy books, collections, libraries, individual titles. Very easy process. They handle everything. Do you have books to sell? Call or email today or visit SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations, including office positions. So, uh, yeah, so it was expensive. And as somebody pointed out at the most recent meeting, they had talked about a $10 million budget. So, you know, that started in like 2018, which I, I, I was talking with a construction buddy of mine the other day. And, you know, I've always used the number that a $25 piece of plywood uh, in 2019 is $75. Now he says it's over a hundred bucks. Wow. And so some things in construction are just so crazily more expensive now than they were four years ago that, you know, that was, that there was, there was a probably a doubling of that price just built in, even if they were just building that building. Um, and now this is a much different, a much different building. And, um, you know, East Hampton's a wealthy town in, in the municipal sense. Uh, yes, we, we have the highest poverty rate in Suffolk County. Um, but we do have an enormous tax base and the town's got a, $80 million surplus and, uh, you know, low taxes, frankly, uh, for town government, you know, school taxes or school taxes, even those are low out here relative to most of Long Island. But it's probably been too early for them to kind of predict what kind of impact this would have on, on taxpayers. But but like you said, they, they've got some money in the bank that they might be able to use 
um, you know, to, to offset some of the cost. And yeah, there's yeah certainly some surplus. I, I don't know that it even makes sense to. I mean, they've got a AAA bond rating. They're going to be able to borrow money at almost free, nothing. Right? And I think I think when somebody else gives you money, you always take that. Um, I mean, if you you know they're talking about a 25 year bond, so if it was 32 million, you know, it, what do you, you're going to be looking at a million and a half a year payoff, you know, plus. Yeah, the tax, the tax impact there, of that is really not that much. Um, are there grants available too for this kind yeah, of? Project? Probably that that's all. You know, we don't know any of that sort of stuff. That that's all kind of down the road. And that was one of the things that Kathy Brokinsella said this week is that you know that's all stuff that they're hoping there will be a lot. They do want, um, you know, they're they're putting solar panels. They want it. One of their main missions in all of this was was that it be a net zero, a net zero facility, meaning it it has no energy drain so that it generates you know it's highly efficient and generates its own electricity not literally but you know offsets its offsets its own uh carbon footprint so to speak right. and um uh you know they're going to have they're going to put uh solar panels over the parking areas like they have at the at the courthouse in Riverhead which I've said god for decades it just is like such seems like such a no-brainer everybody the problem, is, should be doing the problem is it's expensive yeah i mean it's three million bucks um for the ones at this property which would cover uh pretty much all entirely two parking areas outside out in front of the building um and you know that was one of the cost savings things they could say well we could you know we could eliminate some of those or all of those but, but those those pay for themselves over time right over over the long term, I, I I would assume so. Uh, one of the criticisms at the meeting the other night is that nobody that they have not actually presented any statistics on that oh. kind of thing, yeah. showing that. But but you know I, I think getting to the point of this is that you know most at the at the most recent meeting up to this point there's been fairly little criticism of the way that this project has been advancing, other than. You know, during the last election season, the uh, candidates running against uh, running against uh, Kathy Berkenzales, David Lee, and Tom Flight were like, "How come you haven't built a senior center yet? You've been talking about it for ten years, mm. and we still don't have a senior center. Where's the senior center?" And you know, certainly there is some urgency. I mean, it's been needed for a long time. People have been calling for it for a long time, and and I do feel like that you know sort of has the town board feeling like they've got a little bit of a, a sword in their back, you know, being, being urged along. But um, uh, you now at this most recent meeting had some people who said, well, wait a second, you're now you're going too fast. You know, you, you put out this project that's uh, super expensive and huge. And as people have said for quite a while now, this will be probably the largest project that East Hampton Town has ever undertaken. Uh, I can't think of one that Southampton Town has undertaken that would that would be on par, at least in the in the last 15 or 20 years or something. Um, you know, it's a big, a big new building, which, you know, we just haven't built a lot of around here in a while. 
Hi, this is Ellen DiOgardi. I'm the director of events for the Express News Group. I'm also the president of the Sag Harbor Chamber of Commerce. Community really matters to all of us at this company. I know it's a good part of why I'm here. We've hosted more than 50 of our Express Sessions events in Southampton, East Hampton, and Sag Harbor, focusing on issues that matter most to residents of the East End. We bring the most important government and community leaders and topic experts together in one room, and we often find answers to complicated questions, and we grow stronger together. This all takes staff time and company resources, but it's our job, and I'm happy to say we really love our work. But we can't do it without our subscribers. If this kind of community work is important to you, you can support it by becoming a subscriber. To subscribe, visit 27east.com slash subscribe, and thank you. There was a public hearing last week um, on the, which, and I didn't even get into this in my story, was it, the public hearing was actually on what they call the Monroe test, which is a, a reference to a, um, a court ruling from the 90s, I think it was, uh, Monroe obviously being one of the, one of the parties uh, in, which, in which the, um, the ruling, and, and that actually that lawsuit was over two municipalities fighting over whether one of them was allowed to impose its zoning on the other. And um, uh, part of that ruling came out was that a municipality can suspend its own zoning for its own projects, but they have to prove that it meets all of nine criteria. And mm. they call that the Monroe test. And you have to apply these nine criteria. You know, the, the trick there being that the municipality that wants to exempt itself is the one that gets to apply the Monroe test and decide whether they've met the, met the criteria assuming they don't get sued. They can get sued because, you know, this is what happened in Springs uh, with the Springs cell tower at the Springs Fire District. Uh, and the, and you know, sorry to get sidetracked, but it, I was chuckling about it the other night. In the 2015, the Springs Fire District, being a municipality in, in and of itself and owning a property and wanting to put a cell tower, just decided that it had exempted itself from the town's zoning under the Monroe tests ideas you always want to say monroe doctrine totally different <laughs> which was my first community college newspaper was the monroe doctrine right yeah no, no relation although maybe somewhere so anyway um uh the springs fire district did that the town or the, actually the neighbors took it to the town zba the town zba said they didn't apply the monroe uh the monroe test uh, correctly, yeah, I know. Uh, didn't apply the Monroe test correctly and revoked the building permit that had been that had been issued, and we still have an empty cell tower sitting at that fire fire department. It sounds like they're going to fix it now, but um, so anyway, the the town had this public hearing on whether they are going to exempt themselves from the town zoning, which would mean they don't have to worry about. ZBA variances if the property has too much lot coverage, et cetera, et cetera. They don't have to go to the planning board and go through the rigmarole of parking calculations and lighting and driveways and runoffs and all the things that the planning board uh, the planning board pours over in a site plan review. Um, and uh, and the ARB, I don't know, you know, I don't know that the ARB would have such a problem with this, but. Um, so you know they've 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 proposed that it 
doesn't mean they're going to do it, but they have to have this public hearing and uh, clear themselves to do it if they do decide to do it. They have said that the planning board will be involved in the review, um, that they'll solicit uh, opinions or input from the planning board, which is very different than a, than a I mean, a project like this is, as one of the speakers at the public hearing the other night pointed out, would definitely um, qualify as a, I think it's a type two action, which would require a uh, environmental impact statement, which is a, a very complicated and involved uh, analysis of every aspect of the project um, and probably takes, you know, months and months to prepare, you know, like, like, like um, uh, the speaker said, it would, it would probably add at least a year to the timeline. And they have, they have talked about, I mean, the architects even back in October said that they were hoping to start clearing this winter because we have these, we have these um, uh, northern long-eared bat restrictions now on when you can cut down trees in a forested area. And it ends on April, uh, March 1st. So that you get an extra day this year because of leap year, but it ends on March 1st. And, and then you can't cut another tree down until November. And so that would really, you know, they were hoping to be able to clear the property at least somewhat so that they can go in and do surveys and start putting in utility lines and that kind of stuff. Cause even though they're not going to start construction till next year, they want to, they need to be able to get things moving kind of thing. So um, that's, so that's what, that's what uh, they've been talking about as far as a timeline, like starting right away, which if you had to go to the planning board and do a, do a full review, no matter how amenable they were to your project, it's going to be, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to do that. So uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it got some pushback this time around. There were several residents, um, some of them, uh, you know, very involved in the community people, uh, people that are generally very supportive of town uh, initiatives, uh, who, you know, and and are, are smart skeptics about a lot of things. And they, they sort of all had the same message, which was, whoa, 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 <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves here you're kind of going a little too quickly. This is a big thing. Let's, let's just make sure we're doing it right. So do you think that the, that their pleas were, that the board was receptive to what they were asking? I mean, you know, whether re receptive in, they're going to say, okay, you're right. We'll send this to the planning board. Uh, I kind of get it. They didn't say one way or the other. Uh, I kind of get the impression that no, they're not going to take that step. Um, we're going to learn more this week and next week. They're going to bring in the architects and consultants that are working on the project to talk about a lot of the questions. You know, some some people were, you know, uh, uh, fiscal hawks who were just asking about, well, why does it need to be this much? Why are we spending this much? You know, one of the big ones is that the site work on the property. So just prepping the site, grading it putting in the roadways, putting in the utilities, the electricity, running the water, blah, blah, blah. That's nine and a half million dollars. So that's a huge, huge number that made a lot of people, you know, we've, we've got to hang, we've got a couple of people out here who work in the building business. And um, that's the one thing that two or three of them have come since that came out and we're like, why on God's earth is that costing nine and a half million dollars? That should not be costing that much. So they're going to bring the, they're going to bring some of their people in to explain some of that, um, talk about why they why they need it, 
I assume that at that uh, either shortly afterwards or at the same time, uh, Kathy Burke Gonzalez and other members of the town board or town planning department are going to explain some of their thinking about why this price is, you know, reasonable to be expected, unavoidable, um, you know, and, and there's, there's value judgments. And frankly, we elect our leaders to make value judgments. If they decide that it's worth 3 million bucks to cover the parking lot with solar uh, array so that we can, so that we can generate the power for the building, you know, sets an example. That's been one of the, that was one of uh, uh, Kathy Bergonzalez's predecessor, Peter Van Skoyek's um, uh, things was that you got to put solar on town buildings before you can expect people to put solar on their own buildings. Speaking of that, I have this weird side question is that you're putting all this money into solar and being green. So in the commercial kitchen, does that mean all of the appliances will be only electric and there'll be no gas? Yep. 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 All electric. And actually the commercial kitchen is like the number one power drain. And that was one of the first things that they said. They said, um, you know, if you wanted to pare down the uh, solar voltaic, which is expensive, you're either going to have to give up your net zero or you're going to have to give up your commercial kitchen because that is where the power is going. Hoods run but constantly. It would probably be illegal for them to install gas at this point based on New York law, I think, right? Uh, it would certainly would be. I don't know if it would be illegal already, but it certainly would be foolish because, yeah, I think you'd have to be rid of it by, what's it, 2030 or something. That's, uh, yeah, that whole thing's going to be very interesting. There's some value judgments to be made. There's some explaining. You've got a lot of explaining to do um, about why uh, things are costing what they're costing. And uh, and then they're going to have to, you know, like like one of the other speakers said the other night is that, you know, you're going to own this and, uh, you know, your name's going to be on the sign forever. And if this turns out to be a boondoggle or, you know, your stainless steel shingles turn into, uh, you know, rusty potato chips in, in 10 years or 15 years, you know, this is how people are going to remember you. And memories are short, but still. By taking it to these other boards, they would actually be covering themselves. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and like one of the, one of the uh, speakers, Carolyn Logan Gluck, who's, the the chairwoman of the Wayne Scott Citizens Advisory Committee and a and a and a big brain, um, you know one of the one of the things that she said was that you know yes it may force you to change things but you know that's why they're there and we get better projects when we do that and you know they've somebody else said you know the uh, Jeff Bragman actually said that you know those boards have protected this town for forty years. And, you know, that's that's why they're there. That's why we trust them. That's why we give them seven year terms that that are staggered so that you don't have, you know, political bodies able to just remake a board in the way that they think. Now, in East Hampton, you can argue that that's happening anyway, because it's been so long since there's been any sort of political diversity in uh, in East Hampton that the, the same people have appointed almost everybody on the on the uh on the planning board now, even seven, even seven year terms. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so this is just going to kind of go forward from here. Um, do you think that this is a, you know, I, I've seen this a lot in Sac Harbor, just that, you know, the, the boards are, the board is going through 
hoops to like um, research every aspect of a plan or an idea. And then, you know, the day that they're ready to approve it in a, in a board meeting, all these people come up and it's like, I didn't know about this. Like they needed to be personally called to invite, invited into the discussion. Is this something like that? Do you think? Well, that, I mean, that certainly is one of our trademarks out here. Um, we, you know, nobody, nobody does it better than Montauk. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we, you know, we do have that happen a ton, um, but this is not, one of those situations and and one of the criticisms that came up was that the and and you know Jeff Jeff Bragman who was on the town board and and you know there wasn't a lot of love lost between him and the other members of the board even though he was uh, you know elected with them um uh, was that you know and he was throwing daggers the other night and one of his one of his points that you know not completely invalid was that you know they unveiled this plan in October they unveiled the pricing a month later, like the week before the week of Thanksgiving um, at a work session. Then they had a public hearing the week after Thanksgiving. So in the middle of the holiday season, at which they sort of just it was kind of just like a it wasn't a public hearing that really approved or denied anything. But nobody came. Two people came, him and one other person came and raised some eyebrows at what they were proposing. Uh, and then like two weeks later, so basically the week before the Christmas break, they introduced this proposal to just sidestep the planning board and zoning board of appeals and go it alone, so to speak. Part of their reasoning for doing that though is, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I mean, if you have the planning board and, and the other boards take a look at it, you're gonna delay the project another few years and who knows what the price is going to be or what the cost is going to be at at that point. I think there's there's, there's certainly a solid argument for moving forward and getting this done, um, you know, before the price doubles again. Yeah. Yeah. No. And there, and that was, you know, that was one of the things that, that Peter Van Skoyak, who was in the building business professionally um, brought up was that nothing gets cheaper as you build. And I mean, yes, the last four years have been, you know, a crazy explosion, but that it never gets cheaper to build something and waiting to build something almost never pays off in the long run. Um, so there is that, but you know, that doesn't mean you go and you rush and build an albatross for 30 million uh, when you could have built something great for 40 million, you know, two years later. Um, so, I mean, there's that, but yeah, there's some of that. Some of it was just logistics that yes, they want to get this clearing started. They want to advance the project and, you know, it took a long time to to uh, to design, and you know the plans didn't land on their desks until October, and now now they're talking about by the end of February, you know, six weeks from now, you gotta you everything freezes for six months, uh, and and that trust. So that's you know basically a one year kicking it down the road another year, and they're already talking about not occupying this building till twenty twenty six basically, so. You know, you're already now kicking it down the road um, again, and you know that's that's frustrating for them. And you know they're gonna they're gonna, you know, whether whether it's valid or not, you know, you're gonna hear the critics are always gonna say, well, how come you haven't gotten this done? You've had you've had now 12 years, 13 years. Why why do we still not have a new senior center for our seniors? Kind of thing. And you know, I don't know if that that mostly lands on deaf ears, but. Uh, it's there and you know political political people are are uh, are sensitive and uh you know they 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 know that uh 
this is a project that's been just sort of simmering and simmering and simmering and they they want to get it they want to get it moving and they are hopeful that it'll they'll be able to come in a little lower does that ever happen you know no. who knows it does you know listen some projects have gotten done around here under budget um uh, you know construction companies have gotten better and better they've municipalities have learned to put incentives in things for getting projects done sooner and cheaper than they'd expected. I mean, I think like the Sag Harbor library, didn't that end up being under budget The, you know, I think one of the big school expansions ended up getting done like five months early and under budget. And, you know, I mean, a lot, some of that is just that, yes, these companies know how to budget. They know that everybody's building in crazy conservative budgets so that they can say we came in yeah. under budget, you know, cause they, it's much worse to get caught and say, well, we need more money. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah, I mean, in speaking with Kathy Burke Gonzalez after the meeting the other day, you know, she, she did say there's, yeah, there's, there's things we're going to look at. There's grants that we can hunt for. Um, you know, there's probably tax incentives from the, the States, you know, the States big into net zero and all that kind of stuff. And um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll find some monies and, you know, they're going to be able to borrow cheap. And so I, I think that, you know, while a lot of people have sticker shock um, at that price, uh, I haven't really seen it from the town board members, to be honest. So we should expect this, either they take up the suggestion to take it to the other boards or at the next meeting where they may just say we're going ahead without that step so we can begin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I tend to think that, you know, if they're gonna, if they're gonna bow to the criticism, I think it will be that, they'll find some way to formalize the involvement of the planning board without actually doing a full review and application. Right. They might, they might, you know, they, uh, I mean, I can't think of another example, you know, they, I don't think they were going to do it. They were going to build the cell tower on um, Lincoln Avenue, uh, you know, which, spurred the whole Crandall Norfolk Woodlands uh, drama. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that they were going to bring that to the planning board. They might've been because those, those, pro those projects are, that would have, that would have breezed through the planning board, frankly. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting. You know, the, 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 um, the only other project that's really comparable was the aquaculture uh, center proposal a few years ago, which was this really um, neat idea that they had for a new aquaculture center on Gann Road. That was kind of the same problem is that it kind of got sprung on everybody very suddenly, um, partly because they had to buy a property with CPF money for it. And they never talk about those projects until they unveil them because they're trying not to attract competitive buyers. Right you know, right. outbidding them. And so they sort of, when they introduced this purchase, they had to say, we're going to use it to build this aquaculture center. And so all of a sudden everybody was like, whoa, what is that? And it's big and it's going right here. And there's a bunch of houses there. They sued, they flipped out. It was the whole thing. And that died, you know, I mean, that project really got shelved because it lost out on a, on grants, but I'm sure it lost out on grants because of the lawsuit and the objections from neighbors. So yeah, so I mean, at this point, it might be easier for just them to go through that hoops of other plant of their boards with the idea that they'll be in a better position. 
Yeah, you know, I, th this this isn't a project that's probably going to get sued over if they just say we're doing it. I mean, unless there's some really um, active citizen group that's just looking out for the general best interests of precedence in the town. But I mean, there's no neighbors here. The building is set way back off the street. Um, you know, you're not you're not going to be able to see it really. I mean, looking down the driveway, it's a flag lot. So it's not going to be like in anybody's face. It's not going to be at night making noise and this and that. So there's probably not going to be a lot of people that are going to be incensed by it, which is how we kill things around here is when the when the NIMBYs sue. Um, so it may not face that. And, you know, if it turns out to be a beautiful center that everybody loves, people will forget yep. in a hurry. Yeah. And uh and and also, I mean, you know, listen, it's sort of early. Like they literally haven't even decided what the shingles are going to be like about the solar panels. They've still got a lot of talking to do. So it's gonna, you know, they're the the critics and the and the and those with ideas about how to do things better are gonna have their opportunities, even if the board decides to approve this um Monroe test uh uh proposal and and go for, go go forward without that review um there'll there'll be the opportunities there but you know the problem is that if any real problems come up or raised during that how do you how do you address it and how and how willing is the town board going to be when you start getting into things that might actually kick this to you know construction not starting till the fall of 2025 instead of the fall of 2024 <laughs> Um, you know, how open are they going to be to that? And then you've got them, you know, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, guillotine over their head of the planning board, you know, refusing to approve the project. So we'll, uh, it, we'll probably be talking about this again. Yeah. Um, I had suggested waiting to talk about it at all until a couple of weeks from now, but I, I think that, uh, you know, it, there'll be plenty of opportunity to discuss the evolution of this and, um yeah you the know. year is young so we need to find topics you know <laughs> not yes exactly well yeah and it's i mean it, listen it's gotten interesting now because now now all of a sudden people are paying attention uh to, i mean uh -huh. first of all the 31.6 million dollar price tag got a lot of people's attention um but also now there's people raising you know people are coming to board meetings and saying you know take it easy we're not so sure that are you sure yeah. that this is the way to go mm -hmm. kind of thing and you know, this the, the 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 East Hampton Town Board in the eight years that I've been covering them has has proven itself to be um, fairly open to criticism and reactive to it. Um, you know, they they can they can be accused of being a little imperious from time to time, but they generally do hear it when somebody points that out. Imperious. I think that should be our word of the day. Certain certain former town leader that we applied that word to once upon a time, not in East Hampton, and with uh, much dramatic effect. Oh, so it's been used. All right. Nothing new in this area. All right, cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Mike, and um, we'll have you back once we get a little bit more movement on this. Cool. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End.
Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27east.com, and sagharborexpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts. 